Thanks so much for joining us today, Senator Crabtree. First of all, what have you been up to during the legislature's recess? Well, it's calving season and, you know, we ranch here in Grangeville, so we've been uh, following cows and calves around and uh, braving the blizzards and we've got some pretty tough weather for a while and the wind has been pretty severe, but the last two days just wonderful. So yeah, at times it seemed like being in the legislature wasn't a bad idea today, not so much. <laughs> It seems like that uh, COVID-inspired recess came at a pretty convenient time for the ranchers. Nope. Uh, you know, I, I'm curious that you sit on so many pivotal committees that address such important topics that are really coming up a lot this session. I'm thinking, of course, the Joint Budget Committee, Transportation, and Education. You know, first of all, when it comes to the needs that you're hearing from uh, your constituents in Idaho County, in your district, does what they're saying line up with what the legislature is trying to address in Boise? In other words, are those conversations in sync? Well, that's a, that's a hard question. You know, sometimes they are. Um, largely, we get to Boise and we hear things we haven't heard, and yet we have to deal with them. And maybe they've been heard from other parts of the state. Maybe there are certain legislators that like to have um, their voice heard louder than others. Uh, so we end up dealing with things that may not be so important to um, our local people. One of the things that, that I hear so much about regarding schools is the property tax burden that is put on them through the levy system. And, um, you know, we've got some ideas on how to help that a little bit, but that's a big deal locally and not so much of a deal when you get to Boise. So. Uh, but we have some ideas we'll talk about in a few minutes maybe that address that some. Absolutely. And, you know, you're vice chair of the Education Committee in the Senate, um, and there are big challenges facing Idaho students and educators right now, both when it comes to funding and when it comes to things like reading performance um, among our, our young students. Right. What, in your mind, does the legislature absolutely have to address this session in education before adjourning sine die? Well, for me, if, if we want to make a difference um, in, in these lives of these students, we've got to deal with the fact that we're struggling at reading at third grade. We're, we're half, half of the kids have an acceptable reading level at third grade. That is a great indicator of their future lives is how well they can read in third grade. We're not doing well, and we've tried a few things. But I think what we're going to have to do is try to help these kids a little earlier. What we would love to have is to have these children helped by their parents. And the parents is, and the family unit is the ideal scenario for this. The fact is that's not happening. And the facts are we'd love to have it, but the truth is it's not happening in these homes as much as we'd like it to. One of my schools uh, that I've talked to in my district says that 80% of the kids headed to the first grade are not prepared. Now, that indicates that they're not getting what they what we would like them to have from the family. And it's the family's trying. You know, we have a high level of, of poverty, you know, when people are working, you know, they don't and a lot of times they don't know what to do. So we're gonna have to figure a way if we want these children from rural Idaho, and that's what I represent most, to succeed and compete with the rest of the world, we're going to have to do better preparing them for the rest of their education. To me, that starts with uh, some sort of optional kindergarten uh, effort for these kids. And many of the schools already have done some part-time thing, found, funded by the property tax owner. The property tax levies are funding 
the kindergarten because the state does nothing. So if we've got to solve this problem early and our problem is that the, the children are coming and not prepared, the parents can't do it for whatever reasons, then we need to, to provide a way to help them. And uh, we don't want a requirement, we want it optional. But that's an idea that I think will be necessary for this legislature to achieve a success in anything in education, in my view. You know, when we're talking about education, of course, this session, one of the hot topics was that early childhood education grant that was voted down in the House by one vote. Um, the Budget Committee has readdressed that. The legislature as a whole will take it up when you come back from recess. But do you think that JFAC has done enough to, enough to address the concerns of the House? Well, time will tell on that, but you know, we believe we have or we wouldn't have sent it back to them. Uh, but it addresses the same issue I talked about earlier is that we would love to have the families preparing these kids. And th this idea of that grant is to help some of the families do this in an optional way, but we've got to find the solution. It's always easy to criticize somebody else's idea, but what is the solution to help these children be prepared to come to school. And while that's not a big grant and it did come through the Trump administration and it was funded by private money, um, it still uh, needs the funding authority to go through the legislature. And we'll find out if that kind of thing can be helpful. We believe it can, but um, you know, this will be a way to find out. It's a $6 million uh, project. You know, some, some of the voices, as we're having this conversation, some of the voices in the house that uh, were most concerned about this grant are House members from your district. I'm thinking Representative Shepard and Representative Kings. I'm curious, have you had conversations with them to try and address some of their concerns? I've talked to, to Representative Shepard about it and, and he understands some of these things and I think he's, he's beginning to get a picture of what, we've got to find a solution. You know, it's easy to, the critic is the easiest job in town. Uh, what are we going to do in terms of finding solutions to these problems. So yeah, I think we're going to have success with that bill when it gets to the uh, house this time. And, and um, yeah, it's been a lot of to do about a $6 million issue there. I can talk about some $6 million things that were flowed through in a hurry and uh, maybe not been nearly as important as this one is, but that's the legislation. That's the process we are part of. And that, of course, isn't the only budget that has hit road bumps on the way to the governor's desk. I'm thinking, too, of the attorney general's budget. Um, we know that the higher education budget is going to face a lot of scrutiny when it hits the House floor. How much more work are you anticipating the Joint Budget Committee having by? Well, I expect we'll do as much work as we have to. We don't want to try to to re, uh, recook the things. We, we believe we've done a good job. And with regard to that higher ed budget, you know, there's been a lot of stories told about it and some people kind of filed their teeth early on this before we even had a budget that this, uh, boy, we were gonna solve the social justice problems and that was what was wrong with the higher ed. We put together a budget that addresses this problem in three ways. And I don't know if you want to visit about that now, Melissa, if you'd like. But what that has to do with is a three-pronged approach to this social justice thing. Now, I don't hear so much about social justice out in the country as I do at the legislature, but I hear some. There is a concern that there's a social agenda being taught at higher education institutions in this state, and it's unacceptable to a lot of people, and particularly in the legislature. 
So because I worked at higher ed budget and I am in the, on the finance committee and in education, try to find a way to weave a solution, thread the needle if you'd like, that's kind of the common term now, but try to find a way where we can solve this higher ed debacle over uh, this social justice issue. So I did three things. One, penalize Boise State, which has been kind of the point of the spear on uh, all the social justice conversations and take a, money away from what they say are their social justice programs. Their, that, the number I used was their number and it's about a half a million dollars. And then we, we also ask all universities by next January to report to us, the legislature, what they've spent on social justice programming. What kinds of things have they been doing? My guess is that number is going to be quite small. If we took it away from Boise State this year and then others report they have it in January, what do you suppose is going to happen with that? So that's the second prong of the solution that we are proposing. And then the third prong is to ask the State Board of Education to take the student fees that, the, the, that are paid and make some of those into a pick list form so that all four universities have the same pick list to choose from. So if a student does not want to sign up for a certain club and pay the dues through their student fees, they don't have to. And at the University of Idaho, for example, that's $2,000. Now, maybe the students will choose half of that, I don't know, but it gives an option and the students can then choose to whether they want to be part of social justice efforts. So it's a three-pronged effort to try to deal with this and we still want to get the message sent, but we don't want to damage what's going on in terms of other educational efforts at these universities. You know, I've heard so much about social justice, concerns about what's being taught to uh, students who, at the end of the day, are adults choosing to attend these institutes themselves. Um, is there a role at all for discussing this country's historical problems with racism? And where do you draw the line between this is a very appro appropriate and important conversation about racism that we need to have as a society and this goes too far? And who gets to decide that? Well, those are really good questions, Melissa, and, and I have the answers to them, but the legislature has the checkbook. So you kind of have to listen to the guy that's doling out the cash, whether you want to or not, or whether you like the message that they're telling, there has to be a coming together on how this works. I frankly uh, get a little concerned when legislatures get into uh, curriculum development. I'm not sure we're well prepared for that. But on the other hand, uh, we have concerns there and the legislature as a body Maybe it's even more conservative than the state is, but it has the money in its hand. And so there has to be a, a finding of common ground here uh, on this issue uh, between the questions you ask and the legislature. When it comes to issues that you brought up with public education, um, the K through 12 and the funding issues and the burden on property taxpayers, are you confident that the legislature is going to be able to address that before adjourning sine die? No, uh, I don't, but they're going to make some efforts um, with regard to we're doing some things with this kindergarten legislation that I'm proposing is to go ahead and and not allow the levies to be 
assessed for kindergarten. So it's a shift of that those charges to the state, which were changed in 2006 or so when uh, now Senator Jim Risch was involved and we shifted things locally. Now that hasn't turned out well for local schools in my area. Rural, rural Idaho has not done well under the levy system. So maybe we need to relieve those property taxpayers of this part of their bill and shift it uh, to the state where it was before. So that's what part of this kindergarten deal is, is to try to uh, shift some taxes and try to give some relief to the people that I hear from about property taxes, while at the same time solving this big issue of our kids not being able to read by third grade as enough and uh, not being prepared for first grade when they come. So we're gonna be able to get two things done at once. I think it's a wonderful approach to do it. It's, it's the best thing, of course, I'm gonna go back to it the, the third time, the parents, we want them to do it. And they still have the opportunity to do it. This is not um, a uh, requirement, but if they can't, we wanna be available to help those kids' uh, futures be brighter. Now, one last question from your point of view on both the education and budget committees, um, as well as transportation, quite frankly, where would you like to see some of the American Rescue Plan Act money go in the future? Well, I have several ideas for that, like other legislators, but one is uh, one of the big issues in rural Idaho is broadband. And we put a bill through that I helped with through the legislature this year to establish a broadband group to make some plans and to distribute some monies and also provide an empty bucket to put money in for these things. So I think rural Idaho, if it's going to be really successful at educating kids, they are going to have to have better internet access. We have it at the schools, but when the kids drive out of town, they don't. Well, that's going to be a big deal. And so I think broadband is something that I think will help all of Idaho, but particularly rural Idaho, because you have small population density, but you still have the same needs per child. They still need to be able to access the internet. And uh, we want them to have that opportunity. It helps us in a lot of other ways. It helps us in business. It helps us in, in uh, safety and medical things too. But when we're talking education, uh, I think it's a big deal. All right, Senator Carl Crouchy, thank you so much for joining us. Glad to do it. Thank you.